let me create this visual image for you to think about. If eternity, if where God is, is divine, and we are the branches, and people can only see fruit, and people can only benefit from eating the fruit, then in this room today, where are God's branches? Where are the branches of the true vine? Where are the fruits? And can people through our lives taste the fruit of heaven through each one of us? Are we the portal to lead people to the true vine? Are you the portal to lead people to true vine? That's my topic today. You understand what I'm, what I'm trying to convey to you. There is, there is this shadow that is called this world, this life, that mirrors what's happening in eternity. What's in eternity reflects what's happening here. If God's operating there, then his people would reflect what's happening in eternity. Isn't it true? If God's operating there, if Jesus Christ is operating in eternity, then we are his people are acting and behaving the way that Christ is or wanting us to do here on earth. So if you and I, we are to become Christ, well, we have to come from heaven, don't we? We have to be chosen by God to be born in the kingdom of heaven. And now that branch extends to our lives as portals to eternity here. Luke chapter 9 verse 23 and says, And he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. How many of you want to follow Christ? How many of you want to follow Christ? Really? How many of you really want to follow Christ? We all want to follow Christ. Even though we raise our hands or we don't raise our hands, we want to follow Christ. Isn't that true? But how many want to follow Christ in our minds and not in our lives? It would be nice. We live the way we want to live, but in our minds we follow Christ. So we offer to God Sundays and Saturdays. Isn't that good enough, Lord? Can I follow you with those times? But the other aspects, the other times of my life, I follow what I want. But that's not what Jesus says. He said, if any man, I pray to God and I hope that you understand the concept of eternity here in this life and who you are in this life being a part of this vine or be part of this vine. Luke chapter 9 verse 23. And he said to them all, meaning this is the call to everyone not to a few, if any man, anyone at all, if the call of Christ is to be called out here in this room today, he would say, if anyone here at all would follow Christ, if any man would come after me, he said to them all, everyone here, first of all, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Is that simple to do? Today I want to examine the motivation, your heart the desire to follow Christ. If any man would come after me, this is a call. He does not make anyone follow him. Is there a desire in your life to follow Christ today? Look at the people around you. Do you see the desires in each other's life to follow Christ? Let me put this question to you. Do you see in my life, as someone who's standing here, the desire to follow Christ? Ask yourself this question. Do you see the desire to follow Christ in your own life? in the lives of your friends. Jesus asked the question and we have to answer the question. He will not answer the question for you. You have to ask, I can't answer that question for you. Do you have the desire to follow Christ yourself? Do you want to follow Christ? Do you see that real desire in your heart? 
Now, unless you have that desire to follow Christ, all of what I'm talking about today doesn't matter to you. It would not affect you anyway, unless you have that desire. First thing I want to tell you is that to follow Christ, you have to get this down. You have to understand this. Jesus Christ, God the Father, is completely different than me. He is completely and utterly different. He does not do anything that we want to do, and He does not act any way that we want to act. He is completely different. Are you okay with that? Are you ready to accept that fact? That Jesus Christ, His thought, His way, His will, His desire is completely different than us. What does that mean? That means this. That means that I have to let go or I have to deny myself. Meaning anything, even the best thing that comes into my mind, I have to reject it and I have to say, Lord, what is your will? Is that in our hearts? Is that something that you and I were ready to do? We're ready to commit to that. If not, then we're not ready to follow Christ. Our lives today has to represent what's happening in eternity. If Jesus moved this way in eternity, we have to move that way in this life. Shadowing Christ is just that, is that Jesus moves this way in eternity and we move this way. Jesus walked this way in eternity and we walk this way, cannot walk the other way. It requires us to make this pronouncement, I will never again do my own will. I will do what Christ is doing on the other side of eternity. That's how you shadow Christ. We want Jesus to operate and behave the way that we want to. When Jesus asked Peter and he says, Peter, who do you think or who do you say that I am? You are the Christ of God. And he said unto them, but who that you say that I am? Peter answering said, thou art the Christ of God. And he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing. Why? It is because this statement that he said after that, saying the son of man must suffer many things. Wait a minute. My thought of the Christ of God is what? This king, this triumphant king, he's going to come and he's going to destroy the Romans. He's going to overthrow the religious institution and he's going to take charge of this kingdom of man. And Jesus says, no, that is what you want. That's not what I am here for. I'm here to do what? The will of my Father. It has been said in the scripture that Christ must suffer many things. Jesus did what was right in God's eyes, not in the eyes of the people. And when Peter made the proclamation that thou art the Christ, you will come here and save humanity. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. You get it wrong. This is why I'm here. I'm here to do the will of my Father. And he has been prophesied in the prophets that Christ must suffer many things. This is the image of Jesus Christ. It's so very different than what we think. And Peter took Christ aside and said, Thou art the Christ. Thou cannot be killed. Thou cannot die. And Jesus said, What? Satan, get thee behind me because you do not want to do the will of the Father. You see, we want to do things that make sense to us. But Jesus says, if you want to follow me, then you got to get rid of that thought. You got to get rid of that mindset. And you have to take on the Father's will. Are you willing to do that today? If you want to be a follower of Jesus, 
you have to deny yourself. Meaning, you got to say, the best thing that comes into my mind are the wrong things. Only the Father's will. Question is, do you know what the Father wants? Jesus, did he know what the Father wants? He knew the scripture. He knew what God wants. Do you know the scripture? How can you call yourself Christian if you don't know what God wanted? All you think about is Christianity is what I think is right, and I'm going to do what I think is right. That's not Christianity. That's humanity. Christianity is we do things that we see Jesus do, and we reflect those things that Jesus do. Are you ready and willing to do this? Except that you renounce yourself and walk on this path because we want to go where? We want to go on this nice paved road. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. The way to the Father is the way of the cross. We need to get to Jerusalem, to the cross, and to be crucified. Are you willing to go there? And you said, Mommy, Daddy, is there a different way to get to Christ? Can I get to Christ through this other way? Can I take the car instead of walking? Can I go by plane? Is there another way to get to Christ? Can I, anyway, we'll get to the cross, right? No, no, no. There's only one way, and that is the straight and narrow way that leads it to life everlasting. There's only one way, and it's straight and it's narrow. What is straight? Straight is a very short path, meaning you get to shape your body, your life, in such a way that you'll fit on that way. That's what straight means. And narrow, like a straight jacket, and narrow, you cannot deviate. That's the only way to life everlasting. For God's thoughts are not all thoughts. His ways are not all ways. Don't deceive yourself into thinking that you know the way to God. You don't. We, none of us do. We need to stick to what God says in his, his word. Do you know it? Do you abide by it? <laughs> Consider your options and decide. Luke chapter 14, verse 33. So likewise, whosoever be of you that forsake not all that he hath cannot be my disciple. There is only one way. Consider this. Think about this church, sometimes I'm here, sometimes I'm not here, sometimes my mind's here, sometimes my mind's not here. What do you think this church will be like? The call of God to each one of us is not just to be a Christian. What does that mean? To be a Christian is what? We say these things. We even sing these things, but we don't even know what we're saying or singing. To be a Christian is to be His disciple. Whosoever be of you that forsake not all that he has, cannot be my disciple. We don't choose to be Christ's disciple. Do you know that? It is Christ. And we have to meet a certain standard. Does anyone here say that, you know what? I feel like I'm going to be an Olympian and you're going to go to the Olympics. Is that okay? I'm going to run the 100 meter dash with Usain Bolt. So is that okay with everyone? No. You can't just come to God and say, you know what? I'm going to be Christ's disciple. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. These are the qualifications. If you do not forsake all that you have, you cannot be my disciple. You cannot call yourself a Christian because you will represent me. If you're going to be Olympian, which country are you going to represent? Will they allow you to represent them? If you want to represent the kingdom of God, if you want to represent Jesus Christ, does he say that, okay, I call you to be my disciple. You can represent me. If any man come after me and hate not his father, his mother, his wife, his children, his brethren, his sister, yea, even his own life, also he cannot be my disciple. 
a lot of us are disqualified, aren't we? If you want to be, there are only two forces in this world, I repeat. There's only two forces in this world. The forces that is operating on the principle of Christ or otherwise. When Peter is standing before Jesus Christ and he said, you cannot die. Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. A clear divide between God and Satan. And if you don't operate on the principle of God, you are operating on the principle of his enemy, which is Satan. How strong is your desire to be Christ's disciple? If your desire to be Christ's disciple, then you will forsake everything. And when the question comes is, do you love your mom more than, than Jesus Christ? And you will say no. Will you forsake your brother and your sister for Jesus Christ? You will say yes. How strong is your conviction? How strong is your desire? That's not the case. Then our Christianity is sugar-coated and it's wrong. We do not fit for the kingdom of God. We do not fit for Christ. If you want to represent the United States of America at the Olympics, you got to be the best athlete in this country, isn't it? If you want to represent the kingdom of heaven, by God's grace, you got to be the best representation of the kingdom of heaven. Just imagine the United States sends some synchronized diver to represent the country and they plop in the water. Does that represent the country? But how many Christians today we say that we are representing the kingdom of God and we just plop. We don't perform. We don't represent the kingdom of God. We don't follow with all our hearts, our mind, our soul, our spirit. How many of us dare to say that we represent Jesus Christ when our lives, we don't reflect it? How many of us count the cost and said, you know what? If I'm going to represent the kingdom of God, I'm going to go all the way. If it means I'm going to lay all the other stuff aside, I'm going to forsake everything so that I'm going to train and become a representation of the kingdom of God, by God's grace, I will forsake all. How many of you think that the athletes who are trained and become part of the Olympics, they did not forsake everything for the training? They forsake everything, meaning they eat only the stuff that will help them to compete. They do not do what they want to do. They do what is required for them to win and represent their country. Isn't that true? If you want to represent the kingdom of God, then do and prepare and train so that you can accurately represent the kingdom of God. And that model is what? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, the righteous will not draw back. If you are a Christian, if you want to follow Christ, there should never or ever be any hint in your life that says, you know what, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about this Christian thing. If there's any hint of that at all in your life, you know that you have not been called to be Christ's disciple. Those that draw back are not worthy of me, Jesus says. The kingdom of God are not for those who have laid their hand, put their hand on the plow and look back. Those that represent the kingdom of God will never look back, will never turn back. Any time in the future, now in the future, you see me turn back, I am not a disciple of Jesus Christ. Never have been and never will be. Anytime you look at your life and you turn back and you doubt and you turn back, you are not fit for the kingdom of God. When God calls you, He will prepare you, He will train you, He will equip you, and you will succeed. There are times where you fail. Not all athletes go to the Olympics, win gold. The true Olympians will never give up, will never turn back. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38 and 39. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back into perdition, but of them that believe unto the saving of the soul. Following Christ is not a mere declaration. It is our life reflecting, if you're going to follow Christ, follow Christ all the way. Don't turn back. Don't look back. No regrets. If you fall, get back up and continue to move. Don't go back. Never go back. There's nothing left back there for you to go back. If you are going to represent the kingdom of God, never, never turn back. John chapter 6, verse 17, Jesus answered them, Have I not chosen you twelve, and one of you is the devil? Don't deceive yourself. Not everyone who says, I'm going to follow Christ, are his disciples. He chosen the twelve, but one of them was Judas. Why was he there? He was there because God has chosen him. Remember this. David had already prophesied that Christ would be betrayed. Someone will have to betray Jesus Christ. This is how the kingdom of God works. Do you want to argue with God how the kingdom of God is operate? I am completely in agreement with how God wants to do things. Do you? His will is not my will. His way is not my way. I cannot think beyond God. I can't even think near to God. Those that are drawn back to perdition have been ordained for destruction. Acts chapter 1 verse 16, David prophesied that Judas was going to betray Jesus. This was already ordained. In Acts chapter 2 verse 23, God has determined that Jesus would be betrayed to be crucified. There's no other way for Jesus. Even though when in the garden he prayed, he said, if this cup could pass from me, in the end he knew exactly what God's will was. The cross, the cup, he would drink it and he did. Jude chapter 1 verse 4, God has ordained ungodly men to condemnation by denying God and Jesus Christ. So when you share Christ to someone and they deny Jesus Christ, remember this. God has already determined them to deny Jesus Christ and God. Probably not forever. Just like me, I have denied Christ before I came to him. But once God has chosen, there's no looking back. Now, the last thing I want to talk to you about, the story of Elisha and Elijah represents the Christian walk. Elijah was the shadow of Christ to come, and Elisha is the Christian. Follow with me in 2 Kings chapter 2, and here's the story. Elijah, at the end of his ministry, he knew that he's going to be taken up by God. And God told him, go and you will find this young man, and you will call him, and he will take your place. We, Christians, or he knew that Jesus Christ was called by God to go back. His ministry has been to call us to be his disciples, to be the people who would take up the mantle to follow him. Now, Elijah went to Elisha and says, follow me. And Elisha says, let me say goodbye to my family. You know what Elijah said? Do what you want to do. What is it to me? Elisha did that and then went and followed Elijah. You know, all the way to Jordan, what did Elijah, his master, tell Elisha? In Gilgal, Elijah, his master, told Elisha, go home, don't follow me. Gilgal is separation between your old life and the new life. This is the first entrance into your shadowing Christ. You realize Jesus never begged anyone to follow. And today, similarly, I would never beg anyone to follow Christ. 
has God called you, he will equip you and you will go with him. There are plenty that God has called. When Elijah, when the master was in front of God and he said, God, they kill all your prophets. And God replied to Elijah was, I have 7,000 prophets have been set aside. You don't even know about. I'm not worried. Are you worried? You should be worried for yourself. Are you counted as part of the 7,000 that God has separated? Now, Elijah was at this place where his old life and the new life. We are all at this place, your old life and the new life. If you want to follow the master, then you need to separate yourself and go down to Gilgal. Elisha, just like Christ, said, if you're not ready, don't go. Stay. What is it to me? Jesus doesn't need to beg us. If he calls, if you see the call, if you heed the call, and you see the value in the call, you will follow. You will follow Jesus Christ. And the master told Elisha, go home. I'm going to a place where you probably don't want to be. Elisha said, I'm going. I'm going with you. Even though his master says, don't go. Verse 4, they went to Bethel, the house of God. We all need to get to Bethel. We all need to get to the church. The church is the place where you are trained up. The church is the place where you are built up. His master told him, don't go. Don't go with me. But Elisha, he said, I'm going with you. You cannot make me stay here. And he went to Bethel. He went to the house of God. Second time. Third time, he went down to Jericho. When you get outside of Bethel and you get into the place where you are going to battle. This is your spiritual battle. This is spiritual warfare. Now, there are a lot of people who stay in church, who never get out and battle for your soul. The master told Elisha, stay. You don't want to go into this fight. Just stay in church. Be part of this comfortable life that you have in church. No, 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 no. I'm not staying. I'm going with you. Is that your life? If God has called you to enter into spiritual warfare, are you willing to go? And Elisha, he went with his master. Verse 9, they went from Jericho down to where? Jordan. Where is Jordan? Jordan is the place of death and resurrection. Battle, and then you die, and then you are resurrected. That is that Jordan. This is the beginning of your ministry. Unless you have gone through with Christ to all these stages, don't assume that you will enter into ministry until you get to your own demise, your own death, and then resurrected with Christ. What happened at Jordan? Elijah took his mantle, smoked the water, the water parted, and then both him and Elisha walked through on dry land. Before they got to Jordan, what did Elijah told Elisha? Stay! Don't come with me. It's not a good place for you. But Elisha said, I'm going with you. Is your pursuit of Christ, do you have the heart of Elisha? You have a heart that will follow Christ no matter what. And they went down to Jordan. They passed through Jordan. And what happens on the other side of Jordan is this. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11. And it came to pass as they still went on and talked. This happens not on the other side of Jordan. This happened on the side that they crossed over. As they came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire. You and I will never have a conversation with Christ. We will never reach the point where He's going to have a conversation with us and share with us everything. 
about the kingdom of God until we cross over the Jordan. If we have given up before then, this never happened to Elisha. If he had given up, he had listened to Elijah and turned back, this will never happen. If you do not cross Jordan, you will never have a conversation with Jesus Christ. It never happened. Your life will never see the miraculous work of Christ at Jordan and then beyond when he's taken up. What happened when Elisha was standing there at the end? Listen to this story. A chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more and took hold of his clothes and rent them in two pieces. What's happening here? Elisha went with his master over Jordan. Now, he got to Jordan. And that is when he first witnessed this miraculous parting of Jordan. Have you ever witnessed the miracle of Jesus Christ? If you haven't, you have not walked with him to Jordan. If you have walked with him to Jordan, you will witness the miracle of Jesus Christ. You will walk over on the other side of Jordan and he will begin to teach you himself where the conversation really begins to happen is on the other side. And if you follow him to the end, when he's taking up, this is what will happen to you. Look at what happened to Elijah. He took his clothes. When he saw his master was taken from him, he took his clothes, meaning he took his old dependency, his covering, he tore them apart. He doesn't need them anymore. And look what happened when you shed your dependency on your own life. What happened is this. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell upon him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. When we get rid of our dependencies on ourselves, what happens is we receive the mantle of Jesus Christ. What do you lack? What do you need? What are you missing? It is in Jesus Christ. Unless we walk with him, unless we walk with him to the end, we will not get his mantle. The mantle of Christ will never be given to us unless we walk with him to the end. In verse 14, And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell upon him, and he smote the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the water, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went on over. This is the beginning of your ministry. This is your discipleship of Jesus Christ. When you get his mantle, similarly, if you follow Jesus Christ, if you count the cost, if you forsake all, you follow Christ. At the end of this journey, of your pursuit, you will get the mantle of Jesus Christ. And you will do what he does. You will perform the miracles and you will be. And you know what? The ministry of Elisha was even more powerful than his master. He did more miracles. He did more than Elijah ever did in his lifetime. All lives is the same. All calling is the same. Do not turn back. If you count the cost, forsake your life, deny yourself, follow Christ. The mantle of Jesus Christ will fall upon you. And you will represent the kingdom of heaven in his fullness. Father, we thank you for what you have called us to do and to be. I thank you, Lord God, that you have given us this opportunity, this charge, this commission to be you, to represent you, to represent the kingdom of heaven here on earth. 
I pray, Lord God, that as you instill in us this desire, this pursuit of the kingdom of heaven, this heart of wanting to represent the kingdom of heaven in your fullness, in its fullness, in its glorious state. Father, I know it is by your grace and by your spirit that we are able to do so. It is not in our power or in our strength, but it is by the strength of the Holy Spirit, by the grace that has been given to us, that we are called to represent you, that we are called to reflect your image, that we are called to be your shadow. Father, help each one of us, Lord, to raise up this church, to raise up a generation who would stand beyond this pedestal that the world has set up this, this platform of Christianity that's so prevalent in today's age to be like every, everyone else, to be like everything else. We want to be like Jesus Christ. We want to reflect your word. We want to be the mirror of the work that's being done on the other side of eternity. In this side, Lord, through this portal of your kingdom of heaven, we want to represent you in truth, in sincerity, what's happening on the other side. Lord, where you move, what you say, the things that are happening on the other side, Lord, we want to see it in the kingdom of heaven that's in our hearts, and we want our lives to reflect these actions, the words, the things that you would say, the things that you would do, the things that you would perform, the lives that you would save, the hearts, Lord, that you would turn back to you. Give us definitions, Lord, that we would live fullness and in complete, total dependency and utter surrender to represent you, Lord, in the fullness of your gospel. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.